Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 22. Now, there's only 24 chapters in the book, and we have all intentions of finishing tonight. So, um, if you want to make your way there, it's kind of really the, uh, you remember what we've, where we've been so far. We came into the book with Joshua taking Moses, dying, going home to be with the Lord. Joshua taking the people across the Red Sea into the promised land finally by faith. Remember the previous generation? Well, they just wouldn't trust the Lord. There wasn't any faith. And, and the Lord said, listen, you're going to enter into my promises uh, by faith. Uh, life here is, uh, faith is, is uh, can't really put a great term on it, but let's say extremely, uh, for lack of a better term that pops into my mind, uh, essential and, and important to the Lord. A fact, we know Hebrews 11 tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. Uh, he wants us to live by faith. Now, faith isn't some blind, you know, random thing. There's all sorts of reason and purpose and, and illustrations and pictures he gives us throughout his word, and he's worked in it through our lives, and he wants us to trust him and walk in faith. And I, and I just believe personally that it just has some great value in eternity. Something that I couldn't quantify now, that I couldn't put a, you know, a, a, a fix on it, but it has great value because the Lord wants us to constantly grow in faith. And I believe it has not only important things that happen in our life, obviously now, but I believe eternally it has great importance as well. And so that group comes across by faith. You remember uh, the first battle, again, impossible odds, a bunch of slaves coming out of, not not uh, warriors and soldiers and battle-hardened people, although they did fight some wars before they crossed over, certainly, but, but not very much slaves. And, and the first city they come to is impregnable in a lot of ways. You know, two walls, uh, mighty soldiers, and of course you remember how the Lord has a, the most unusual, if not the strangest, battle plan of, taking out that first city just by them shouting, literally. Uh, him doing all the work. And then we see the miraculous hand of God uh, giving them victory over all the powerful armies uh, in the land, in that area, in the territory that the Lord had given them. And then they went, and we know we've talked about how he divided up the lands, the family groups, the tribes we call them. But there are 12 essential family groups that, that had the land, and you can kind of think of it, it helps you to get a little bit more like states in the United States. Instead of 50, there was 12, except um, except every person, well, or just about every person living in those areas could trace their family family lineage back to one of uh, 12 sons that, that uh, this man named Jacob had. And so they settled in those family groups. So you'd be next to your cousin and your, you know, cousin three times removed and your great uncle uh, twice removed on your mom's third side or you know you'd all be related in some way for the most part i'm sure there was other people that came in and went but for the most part you settled in those groups and the lord gave them to them now the major armies had been defeated but now the people were to take possession of their area we talked about it we laid out maps or or remind us again as we go through and now their job was to now possess the whole thing and again remember the Lord warned them and told them and remind them repeatedly and will again tonight that, you know, if you leave any of those influences uh, in the land, they are going to have a detrimental effect on you. And I'm putting it very mildly because we'll look, well, 
Lord willing, we get into the book of Judges next week, we'll see uh, them not listening in the horrific cycle that the whole nation goes up and down through. And, and he tells him, he tells him, he doesn't ever warn us needlessly. He said, listen, you need to do this. You need to take possession. It's yours. Get rid of all those influences that are going to pull you back into and what, what got them in trouble. Remember, the land was given to them not because they were so nice and sweet and wonderful and pretty and had sparkly eyes and everything like that. It was because they, uh, the people that were living there, the Lord said, listen, it got so corrupt and so wicked and so evil that literally it was a, a, a he called it as the vomiting them, that, them out. You know, that we can all kind of relate to that when you get sick and and, and you eat something that's not right and your body kind of wants to violently expel it. It's a very natural thing. And, and the Lord kind of described the whole society and how evil it all was that they it just couldn't sustain them anymore. And the Lord was giving them that land. And he warned them, says, listen, if you repeat the same thing and do the same things that they're doing, the same thing is going to happen to you. And so God gives them plenty of warning and reminder. Listen. Uh, trust me, get rid of all those things that are going to cause you to stumble. And uh, we, we they've taken the land now, and now we get to chapter 22 for that super long introduction, and uh, it, it's finally now coming to the end, and we'll, we'll look at that. So look at verse 1 of chapter 22 and follow along with me. And it says, Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, "If or, So you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and you have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brother in these many days up to this day, but you have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. Now therefore return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. So pretty much everything is done. The land's divided up. And remember, there was two and a half groups of those people that wanted their inheritance, wanted, didn't want to come into the promised land and cross over the Jordan. They were kind of happy being over on the other side. And we've talked a lot about that. I won't, won't go into that. But yeah, one of the, the commitments they had to make so they wouldn't discourage everybody else was that they had to come in and, and be part of the army, we'd say today. They had to fight. They had to do that, and that was their commitment. And so Joshua was saying, you guys kept your commitment. You kept your word. And by the way, we know it took about seven years. Pretty good at keeping their commitment, I would say. You know, seven years uh, being away from home. Uh, you know, uh, I was uh, in Southern California for Memorial Day, and my family every year goes up to the L.A., um, National Cemetery there uh, in Westwood, right up by UCLA there, and and uh, we went to the service again, and you could see the 88,000 uh, graves that are uh, people that are interned there uh, at the cemetery, and they just go on the white lawn or the white uh, grave markers with the green grass behind them, and you know uh, people that uh, at least some of them paid you know sacrifice in in uh, serving in the military here and so we know there was a lot of sacrifice on that behalf certainly just being away from family and loved ones during the time of battle but seven years stretches beyond uh probably the service time in war that uh we've experienced as a nation at least what i could think of off the top of my head 
but a, a very long commitment, and they kept it, which is which is right and good. And so they kept their commitment. Uh, again, it's a good reminder for us too. The Lord wants us to be people of our word, absolutely. Repeated over and over in Scripture, and so. Um, he tells them, you guys have done that, and now he's going to give them this charge. He's going to tell them and encourage them in these words, verse 5. But take careful heed to the commandment which the law uh, and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments. So hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And so Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. I, I like this, what Joshua says to them. It's an important thing to see, it, this charge or this exhortation or something they should do. You know, no, you notice it wasn't, uh, and I'll just kind of put it maybe in today's terms, it wasn't like, well, you know, uh, make sure you go to church, be a good person, um, stay away from these things, uh, wear these clothes, do these things, don't do these things. Um, you know, that's really what religion is all about. It's always, always about reforming the outward. You know, religion, that's what religions do. And you could take your pick of any of them, and essentially that's what it is. It's just the reformation, or, you, you know, you've you got to do these things, or you don't do these things, and, you know, you, where you go, you have, you do these things. And, you know, that's really what religion is. But, again, the Bible takes us back to the really the heart of the Lord, which is what I say. You know, here, here it is. What does he say to do? To, to love God, to serve God, to hang on to God. It, it's got to be something on the inside. You know, you can do things on the outside and keep up this and, you know, kind of do things for a while. But at a certain point, you burn out and, you, you know, the excitement goes or you get busy with something else or you get distracted on something else. But, you know, matters of the heart don't. Don't take those turns. And that's what he's saying is just, you know, stay close to the Lord. Love him. Then it doesn't really matter what comes along, what, you know, what problems and things that are going to happen and come our way or come their way. Because they're going to happen. They happen to all of us. We're going to have that firm foundation, the anchor of our souls. And really, again, it's all about falling in love with the Lord. And then everything else flows from there. It's one of the great things I like about studying through the book of Ephesians. You know, there's six chapters in there, and the first three chapters pretty much just focus on all that the Lord has done for you. I mean, it just goes over and over again. He's done this, and you're appointed, you're heirs, you're this, and, you know, just goes on all the great blessings uh, that we have. And then it's not till the beginning of, of the fourth chapter he says okay because of all this because you know he loves you and because you you're his you know you're his children your heirs he's for you know ordained you he's predestined you he's you know thought of you before you were born he had this all planned out and all the all the things that the promises and the wonderful things we find out in the first three chapters and as a result well this is this is what you know life should be like and what it should look like now but but it's one of those things you know you fall in love and when you fall in love, everything flows out of there. When you love somebody, and we know this in the natural, right? When you love somebody, it's not hard to do things for them. It's not hard to think of them before even yourself. It's it's not nobody has to tell you, 
you know, to do this or be nice to them or think about them in some way. It's just something that flows from you because of the love you have on the inside. And that's that's the same uh, the same way the Lord is speaking to us and reminds us and desires in our own lives. It's you fall in love with him and everything will flow naturally out of that. It's not about doing this and not doing this and, you know, be this and not be this and say this and go there and wear this, whatever it is that happens. No, no. Fall in love with the Lord and everything will flow from there. Pretty simple. And he's encouraging that. Stay close to the Lord. And then he tells them the second thing. Now, verse 7, Now the half-tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given possession in Basham, and to the other half of it Joshua gave a possession among their brethren on this side of the Jordan westward. And indeed, when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them and spoke to them, and saying, Return with much riches to your tents, and very much livestock, with silver, with gold, with bronze, with iron, with very much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. So the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to get uh, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they had obtained according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And so I'll, I'll put our map back up there. So uh, remember Shiloh's up here. Uh, I can't read it, but it's in Ephraim here somewhere. Somewhere right there somewhere. And uh, so this was these guys now are going to go back across the Jordan River, and they were to go back to their possessions. And remember, we've spent a lot of time talking about that. It's been seven years uh, since they had been home uh, or since they had left their families, most of them over there, and now um, they're heading back. And so Joshua not only encourages them to stay close to the Lord, stay in love with the Lord, uh, and, uh, and then he says, you know what, you've been blessed. You've been blessed with a lot of valuable and good things. And he reminds them, share the blessing that you have received. It's not all about you. <laughs> Share those things. Uh, again, it's another great picture that we have throughout Scripture. You know, sharing those things. The Lord um, desires for us to be like Him, and He is a giver. And we just need to have that same kind of heart as well. And He's saying, listen, you know, you know the attitude could be, well, you don't know, I fought all these years. I worked hard for all this. I, uh, you know, spent all this effort and energy, and I was away from my family for all these years. You know, I deserve all this. It should be all mine. I've earned it. What did they do? And, you know, other people that couldn't go or didn't go for whatever reason, uh, you, you know. And, and Joshua don't have that heart. You've been, you've been given much. You share much. I think that's just a great... Always a great thing. I always think um, that's just an important concept in the Christian life, an important, not concept, but an important, something we works in and through our lives, that we're always sharers and givers. The Lord's blessed us, and you'll never outgive God. And uh, he's reminding them to don't have that, that, that selfish, self-centered heart that is so easily developed in all of us. Share the blessings you've received. And then verse 10 says, When they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar there 
by the Jordan, a great impressive altar. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, now if you're an underline under if you're an underliner in your Bible, I think it's a good thing to note right there. They heard somebody say, always kind of a bad place to start, behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh have built an altar in the frontier in the land of Canaan, in the region of the Jordan, on the children of Israel's side. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. Now, we don't know how much time passed between verse 9 and verse 10, but some time had passed. I don't know, and I'd only be guessing if I gave you a number, but probably a, a matter of a month or so, maybe, maybe even a little longer. It's, it, it's hard to say. Maybe it was years. Um, but some time has passed. And then all of a sudden, somebody hears um, that they're building some imposing giant altar and as we'll see here in a little bit, it's like the altar, uh, the bronze altar that was in front of the tabernacle where they would offer the sacrifices. And so they built this altar. They heard of it. And what do they do? They're ready to fight. Uh, again, it's always a good reminder when we see these stories to the Lord's given to us that we remember these things too. You know, I'm so quick to get into a fight compared to just taking a step back and making sure that I understand everything. Uh, but it's always good to do that. It's important that we hear all the facts. And we know all the facts before we make a decision or before we go along with some hearsay. The Bible speaks a lot about that. I'll give us a couple of verses in, or in the book of Proverbs. Uh, and here's one in uh, chapter 18, verse 13. It says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish, and that's in the New Living Translation, but I like that. It's like, you know, you heard some things, and so you jump to this conclusion, and all of a sudden, you know, you're heading down that road when you haven't heard everything, or you haven't heard it all. And a few verses after that is one of my favorite ones. It says, the first to present his case seems right, till another comes forward and questions him. So when you hear the story from one person, it sounds so believable. You, you instantly want to believe everything they say. And sometimes we can be remiss. We can forget. We can get behind. And we're like, hey, there's a whole other side of the story here that I'm not hearing. I'm hearing their side, but I sure haven't heard you know, this side or the facts from other people. I've heard their whole perspective, how they feel or what they feel they believe or what happened or whatever. But, you know, we'll always come to the wrong conclusion if we hear just one side of any story. And so, you know, it's a great witness in this day and age um, uh, of huge reactionaries in our culture <laughs> anymore, right? You know, one little thing goes on, some social media somewhere, or somebody says something, and man, it, you know, it can just spread like wildfire. And, well, you know, if you ever, as a kid, play the game telephone, right? You tell somebody one thing in their ear, and then you pass it along, and, you know, you see what they say at the end, if you ever did that at camp or something like that, and you know, how crazy it comes out to be. And, and and simply, you know, that's what happens. And it's just a good thing to remember. These guys heard someone say and, and, and you, you know, saw something going on there, obviously, because they'll find out there was something there. But, you know, they're ready to, to go to battle before they, they really found out what's going on. Let's find out what's going on before we go to battle. Amen. <laughs> so 
They're all upset, but let's find out what happens next. Verse 13, Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the, the priest, to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gilead, and with him ten rulers, one ruler from each chief house of every tribe of Israel, and each one was ahead of the house of his father among the divisions of Israel. So the who's who of the nation. The high priest would be a very one of the most important roles there. And then all these guys that were um, you know, heads of the family. And again, the illustration breaks down pretty quick, but maybe like the governors of the states, if you would. You know, They're all going uh, there, and, and they're going to cross the river there and find out what's going on. And so they came to that land of Gilead, and they spoke to them, saying, verse 16, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What treachery, what treachery? This is an instant accusation, huh? Is this that you have committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord in that you have built for yourselves an altar that you might rebel this day against the Lord? Is the uh, iniquity of Peor not enough for us from which we are not cleansed till this day? Although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord, but that you must turn away this day from following the Lord and it shall be if you have rebelled today against the Lord that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel so this first delegation comes this delegation comes apart and says what or comes across and says what are you guys doing and you know instantly they, they think they're doing something wrong and then they remind them of something that that was fact, obviously. Don't he goes, Don't you remember the troubles we've had when somebody decided to go in a different direction than the Lord was leading to worship something else and and go, you know, hey, let's check this out and let's check this out. Do you remember how that affected all of us? Uh, probably a, a lot of them, if not most of them, were alive when all that happened. And he's, well, at least some of them, they certainly heard about that. And so he's saying, Hey, don't you remember how that really affected us? You know, the that happening in the past, we paid a price for that sin, which is true. And you notice what he says here at the end of verse 18 is that we're all connected. You, you know, if you guys do something wrong, if you guys are turning away from the Lord, it's going to affect us as well. We're all connected. We're all connected together. And can I just say that hasn't changed in the church? You know, the New Testament tells us of this as well. You know, we're all connected. When one person hurts, man, we, we, we hurt. When one person's doing great, we rejoice. When one person sins, it affects all of us. We're connected. You're like, well, I'm just doing my own thing. I'm not really hurting anybody. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible teaches, that we're connected. You know, when, when one person is stepping up and serving, using the gifts and talents, it blesses everybody. When somebody has gifts and talents but really aren't using them and they're kind of sitting on them, it hurts everybody because, well, the the church could use those things. That's why we're given different gifts and talents and abilities. And as a matter of fact, that's why the Bible tells us that the church is like a body. It describes it as a human body. The eyes are important. The ears are important. The toes are important. The legs are important. The elbows are important. Hair's not that important, I guess. But, you know, you get the idea, right? There's stuff that's important and and, and, and it all has an effect. And, and if you, let me tell you, if you stub your toe in one of these chairs tonight walking out of here, 
your toe, you, you, the rest of your body's like, oh, yeah, the toe's hurting, but I'm doing fine. No, what are you doing? You're, ah, you know, everything is hurting, right? Even though you stubbed your toe because, well, it's connected. In the same way, uh, we're told that here. Hey, if you guys go off the rails and, and heading in a different direction and walk away from the Lord, it's going to affect all of us. The same thing is true in the church. And so he said, well, what are you guys doing? It's going to affect us all. And then they say to him, verse 19, Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of possession of the Lord, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take possession among us. But do not rebel against the Lord. Do not rebel against us by building yourselves an altar besides the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass and the accursed thing? And, and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel. And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. So, uh, again, um, listen, you know, uh, and, and listen, one of the reasons they're, they're very upset about this, remember the Lord said there is going to be one place that you are going to come to worship me. Not everybody just doing whatever they feel. Oh, I think I'll do this today, and I'll feel like this, and... You know, whatever you feel like at any given day, you know, God's good with everything. You know, people do this, and okay, that's the way they feel, and that's okay for them. And people feel like doing this, well, that's okay for them. And, and you feel like doing this, well, that's okay for you. But, you know, who's to say who's right and who's wrong? Uh, God. <laughs> that's wrong. He said, listen, I, there's a prescribed way that I have you to come to me. Now, people get bent out of shape by that. What do you mean there's just a way? What do you mean God has a way? Well, I personally don't get upset by that. I personally get excited about that. Oh, there is a way? I'm, I'm happy with that. I don't have to ask the Lord, well, Lord, I want 300 options, um, you, you know, uh, to, uh, you know, to do whatever I want to get to you. I want a bunch of roads to get to you. Listen, if I had um, some big problem, uh, some tumor growing on my liver, uh, you know, and the doctor said, well, the only way you're going to survive is to cut the cancer off to go in there in surgery and I'll have to cut it out and remove it and take it off. Well, why does there only have to be one way? I mean, there's got to be about 10 ways to get rid. I mean, 20. Why, why does there only have to be? Listen, I'd be like, hey, there's a way to remove the cancer. I'm all happy. I'm happy for that. If there's a way to get rid of it, let's do it. Right. And nobody complains about <laughs> about those things. But it's funny. People get upset by that. And and the Lord said, listen, there's a way I want you to come to me. I want you to come, and all of you guys come to one spot. I'm going to put one spot in the land. I'm going to make it the place where you're to come. And three times a year, you're to come. And any other times you want to come, you're invited to come anytime. But three times, I want you all to gather. And there was a lot of reasons behind that, and we've talked about that. But I want you to do that. And so one of the things I thought, if they're building some sort of altar here is, Whoa, 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 time out. You're going to start doing stuff over here. Wait a minute. The Lord was very specific on how he wanted us to, to come to him. And we've spent a lot of time on that, so I'll try not to go over that. But if you guys are doing that, boy, it's going to end up very bad, just like, um, you know, it happened with Achan, which we talked about a little earlier on in this book here. And, and so again, um, and they said, listen, if there's something wrong with the land, you notice it said if the land of your possession is unclean, or if there's something wrong with where you're living, then, you know, it's too far, you don't like it, or whatever it is, 
then just pack up and come over here. <laughs> just be with us. Don't let anything stop you from doing the right thing. Because, you know, it can still happen to us today, can it, a little bit? You know, you, you made some bad decisions, some wrong decisions, for whatever reason. You said, well, I moved here, I got this job, I, you know, got involved in this, and somehow we feel like, you know, because we've committed so much time or energy or resources into something, uh, you know, uh, and, and, you know, in the back of your mind, you kind of thought that's really not what the Lord wanted, and but you did it anyway, and then, you know, well, I've come too far down this road, you know, I've already committed. Listen, cut your losses and get back in with the Lord. That That's pretty much what they're saying here. So what? Yeah, you invested time in, in this relationship, and, you know, you thought she was the best, you know, girl, or the best guy, and you thought you'd get married, and you spent six months or a year dating them, and bought them flowers every week, it cost you 10 grand or whatever, right? I've invested, so I should just keep going all the way through. Hey, if you know it's wrong, you need to stop, cut it right there, cut your losses, and, and move back to the Lord. You know, you don't let anything uh, get in the way of doing that. You, you need to get right. And if it, you know, you'll never regret doing that. What you regret is prolonging the torture of being outside of the will of God. And if you're saying, if that's, you guys know you shouldn't be here, then come on over here. Let's just cut your ties and come over here if that's the problem. Well, now they're going to get a chance to explain themselves here in verse 21. Then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the chaff tribe of Manasseh answered and said to the heads of the divisions of Israel, The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knows, and let Israel itself know. If it is a rebellion or if it's treachery against, treachery against the Lord, do not save us this day. If we have built ourselves an altar to turn from following the Lord, or if to offer on it burnt offerings or grain offerings or to offer peace offerings on it, let the Lord himself require an account. But in fact, we have done it for fear, for a reason, saying, In time to come your descendants may speak to our descendants, saying, What have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between you and us, uh, you, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, you have no part in the Lord. So your, your, so your descendants would make our descendants cease from fearing the Lord. Therefore, we said, let us now prepare to uh, build ourselves an altar, uh, not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifice, but it, that it may be a witness between you and us and for our generations after us, that we may perform the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings, that, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. Therefore we said that it will be when they said this to us or to our, um, or to our generations in time to come, that we may say, here is a re replica of the altar of the Lord which our fathers made, though not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifices, but as a witness between you and us. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn from following the Lord this day, to build an altar for uh, altar for burnt offerings or for grain offerings or sacrifices besides the altar of the Lord our God, which is before His tabernacle. So they say we did this, you know, in time to come. Uh, you know, they'll somebody might say this is the natural border between 
uh, us and you, this Jordan River, and you want to come over here, and they'll say, listen, um, you know, there is no, um, uh, you know, you don't have any connection with this here. Take off, get out of here, Pakistan. We don't want you here anymore. Now, again, they were supposed to come three times a year, plus any other time they wanted to come and gather together wherever the, the tabernacle or later the temple in Jerusalem would be. And, and so, you know, you think they would have a pretty good connection after those period of time, but these guys were worried about that somehow they would be discouraged and uh, the future generations would be discouraged from coming over. And, and so again, they said, listen, we just did that so that we could say, hey, listen, we're just like you, we're connected to you, we want to be a part of what the Lord's doing and has nothing to do with offering sacrifices or anything else or or, or worshiping in the Lord, it, it's nothing else. It's just kind of a big memorial. And so verse 30, now Phineas and the, the priests and the rulers of the congregation and the heads of the division of Israel who were with him heard the words of the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh spoke. It pleased them. Then Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, said to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, this day we perceive that the Lord is among us because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, and the rulers returned from the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and the children of, from the land of Gilead and the land of Canaan to the children of Israel and brought back word to them. So the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God, and they spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness for it is a witness be between us that the Lord is God and so the delegates were satisfied and everybody goes home and is pretty happy now the last two chapters and we'll, we'll go through them pretty quickly here but essentially they're just Joshua's farewell address to the people he's been leading them now it doesn't really tell us how long some people have said up to 40 years uh, maybe 10, 20 years, 30 years. It doesn't really give us a, 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 a real uh, accurate time, but uh, he's been leading the nation for many years now, and he's pretty old, as we'll see here. And so chapter 23, he's just going to encourage them to love God, and chapter 24, he's going to remind them to serve God. Uh, it's always in that order. If we love God, again, it's natural outflow is to serve God. And so his, here's his final parting words before he dies. Verse 1 of chapter 23 says, Now it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua was old and advanced in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, for all their elders, for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said to them, I am old and advanced in age. <laughs> Manson age means like you could see it, man. He's like worn out. Okay, he's old and he looks he looks old. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Listen, I'm very old, but I've seen a lot. 
I've walked with the Lord for a lot of years. And re remember what the Lord has already done. He's given you, uh, given you land and uh, conquered impossible odds. Um, and, and, and he's blessed you, but there's still work to do. You need to drive out all the enemies, not just some. And, uh, you, you know, that's the possession. You need to take them. And again, there's a great picture as we've been talking about through this book in the spiritual life. You, you know, we need to drive out all the all the, the natural tendencies in our own life. We just can't hang on to some of them. The Lord wants to set us free from all those things. You know, bitterness, anger, holding on to these things, to, you know, this and that and all those things we have some in common, some not so much in common. But he wants us to live that life, you know, the Christian life, free of all those those things. And he says, therefore, be very courageous, verse 6, to keep all, to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, unless you go among these nations, whom uh, these who remain among you. You shall not make mention of their name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Listen, one thing I want you to to get out of this uh, for sure is that, you know, he's saying, listen, you're living among a bunch of people that have no concept of the Lord. They're living their lives and thinking and their ways of doing things are completely contrary to that. There's that huge influence out there. And, and, and besides that, all the other desires that come your way. That's the way everybody's heading. That's the river. That's the current. That's the way everything is flowing in this world. But you can't let any of that stuff in your life, Joshua said. It, it, it'll affect you. You know, one of the hot words that has gone around today in our society is the word tolerance. How we need to be tolerant of this and tolerant, well, we need to be tolerant of just about everything. And that flies in the faith of what the Bible says. Now, don't misunderstand me, you know. The Bible repeatedly says we shouldn't tolerate any of that stuff in our life. Now, that doesn't mean I drive it out of somebody else. That's, that's something they got to, you know, they're going to meet the Lord. Holy Spirit's going to speak to them. No one uh, de deemed you the Holy Spirit and, you know, blessed you and said you live everybody else's life. But as far as our lives, we're not to be tolerant of any of that stuff or any of that influence in our own lives. You know, somebody put it this way. Tolerance becomes familiarization and familiarization will become assimilation. You know, you start tolerating those things and you allowing those things and you tolerate those things and then pretty soon they're just kind of what you do and then pretty soon you're a part of that. that that's the natural course of things in this world. We were talking about that around the dinner table last night. You, you know, uh, we just Joshua's telling them, the, the Bible repeats it to us repeatedly, you, you have to stand up and you just... It takes work to go against the flow. Um, you, you can't let that stuff become a part of your life. It'll ruin you. It will ruin them. We'll see how it ruins them. <laughs> the Lord gives us a great example of that. Because it's easy to go with the flow. But it takes courage. It takes strength to oppose those influences in our lives. 
And let me just remind us, too much exposure to that stuff will draw us in. You know, you know that old children's song, Be careful little eyes what you see, right? Be careful little eyes what you see, for the father up above is looking down in love. So be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. What, you remember that? Be careful little ears what you hear, for the father up above is looking down in love. So be careful little ears what you hear, you know? Be careful little mouth what you say. You guys remember singing that probably at some point, right? Well, there's a great lesson there. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what your eyes prefer, what you allow in there. And, and as parents, you know that. Oh, but Dad, everybody's going to that movie. Everybody saw Slasher Kill Part 3, you know? Everybody's playing that video game. Everybody has that Snapchat, Instagram, poster thing, a jigger, muggle. Yeah, you can tell I am what I am. Right account, right? You know, everybody does that kind of stuff. Well, you know, we draw the line in our house. We don't tolerate it here. We're different. It's easy to go with the flow. But it takes courage and strength to be opposed to those influences in our lives. Nothing's changed. Whether it's 4,000 or so years ago or night, night I was going to say 19. What is it? 2018, <laughs> whatever we are, right? You know, uh it, it, much exposure to that stuff just draws us in. It's a very insidious and slow process. Joshua said, Matt, don't, don't be there. Don't be tolerant of it in your life. And then he reminds in verse 9, For the Lord has driven out from before you the great and strong nations, but as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God, or else if indeed you go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these things that remain among you, and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your side on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. Listen, if you don't do these things and if you choose to go in their direction, it's going to bring nothing but trouble and the Lord is warning them. And again, uh, the Lord points this out lovingly. This is going to cause real pain. And again, you won't be able to stop and there will be constant struggling in your life. Always a good red flag. Why is there constant struggle? Okay, Lord, you're trying to get my attention. What do you want to say to me? And let's finish this chapter up. Therefore, this day I am going the way of the of all the earth, and you know that in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All all have come to pass for you. Not a word of them has failed. There's some good underlinable verses there. Therefore it shall come to pass as that as all the good things have come upon you which the Lord your God has promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the harmful things until he has destroyed you from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord uh, your God which he commanded you, and if you have gone to serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given to you. Listen, he says, I, you know, 
I'm not going to be here with you much longer, but remember how faithful God has been. So stay faithful to him. You see the blessings of walking in faith and trusting him and following his leading and not going in the flow of everybody else, but but standing firm and enjoying the blessings of that. And and, and again, you know, you, you don't want to head in the direction of these people that were heading in the other direction and look what it cost them, everything. It's going to bring ruin upon you. And the Lord loves you too much to allow you to continue to go down that path. He's going to get your attention. He doesn't want to do that. Just remember how much he loves you and the great plans he has for you. And stay focused and center on that and don't get sidetracked with all the pulls and yanks and stretches of this world. I want to give you perfect peace. And that's what, you know, he tells Isaiah, your eyes are remain steady or steadfast on me. He promises to keep a person in perfect peace. And, and that's really what he does here in chapter 24. He, he gathers all these tribes that, um, uh, that, that, that come together and he gives them a little quick history lesson. And let's look at that. So he gathered all the tribes together, the Shishim, and called the elders of Israel for their heads, their judges, their officers, and presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, which is the Euphrates, by the way, and led them through, uh, throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. So the first point that Joshua makes to them and says, listen, you remember Abraham. That's your great, 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 great grandfather, right? Remember, he lived in this place. Well, it's just modern. Let's think of it as Babylon, you know, and, and he was over in that area over there. And, uh, you know, you kind of have the idea of Babylon in relation to, to, to Israel today. He was over there. He, he lived in, in this place where it was Las Vegas, for lack of a better term there. You know, it was idolatry, sin everywhere. There was, a, you know, there was all that kind of problem there. He's given the people a great illustration here. So I took Abe, I took Abraham from that place, Ur, and I brought him out away from all that stuff, even the, the family influences and, and the whole societal influences. And I said, listen, I'm going to bring you over here and I'm going to give uh, I'm going to raise you up a family and I'm going to give you this land. And because uh, he knows that, you know, eventually that stuff difficult with his faith and, and, and his walk living in earth. So the Lord brings him out of there. Joshua's telling the same people, listen, uh, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. He's bringing you into this land. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm giving you this, moving you away from all the influences of Egypt and the world and all those things. And he says to Isaac, verse 4, and to Jacob and Esau, I gave the mountains of Seir. And, and he tells them about all that they did. Look at verse 7. So I cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between the Egyptians and the sea and covered them. And with your eyes, I saw what I did to Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. Verse 8, And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, whom dwell on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you, 
So I delivered you out of his hand. So next, Joshua tells him, listen, not only did he bring you out to this promised land, but there was great victories. Some of them you saw. You saw the Egyptian army, the most powerful army, arguably in the world at that time, was destroyed by the Lord very easily. The greatest pressure on the people that wanted to kill you were wiped out before you. And you could see that great victory. But there was also spiritual battles. Battles you couldn't see. They couldn't see the enemy. They couldn't see... Uh, uh, Balaam up on that hill trying to, you know, bring curses down on the children of Israel. They were just down there in the valley. They didn't know what was going on there. The spiritual battles that you weren't able to see, Joshua said. Listen, the Lord was taking care of you, whether it was physical battles in front of you or spiritual battles that were out of your, your sight and your ability to see. I was taking care of you and delivering you and watching you, even from an enemy you couldn't see. I'm taking care of you. And then, you know, he goes on to uh, to say to them, uh, sorry, verse uh, 11, you went over to the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and Gergashites, I'm sorry, the Gergashites, the Hittites, I said that wrongly, Hivites and the Jebusites, but I delivered them into your hand, and I sent a hornet before you, which drove them out before you also the kings of the Amorites but not with your sword or your bow have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build and you dwell in them and you eat the vineyards and the olive grove which you did not plant and so he said just remember the great blessings that were given to you and so here's the charge in verse 14 now therefore fear the Lord serve him with sincerity and in truth and put away the gods of your fathers, that your, uh, which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father, uh, which your fathers served when you, that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so it comes down here at the end, it's decision time. Who are you going to serve? You know, are you going to go back to the things in the past? Are you going to get involved in those past things? Are, are you going to do what the people did in Egypt and follow along with all those things? Or are you going to get involved in the latest things, the newest things that come along, like the Amorites that were in the land there? Or are you going to serve the Lord? Joshua said, I made my decision. What's your decision? What are you going to do? Who are you going to serve? Because we're all going to serve somebody. You either serve your own appetites, your own feelings, your own emotions, your own ideas. You serve all those things. People are going to serve one thing or the other. You're going to serve, I'm going to serve the Lord, Joshua said. Who are you going to serve? I've made my decision. You've got to make your decision. And so the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord... Our God is he who fought us and brought us, brought our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did great signs in our sight, preserved us all the way that we went along from among the people whom we had passed. Verse 18, and when the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And so the answer is, 
hey, we're going to serve the Lord too. But Joshua said to the people, you can't serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sin. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and do harm and consume you after he has done you good. So Joshua said, let's be clear. You know, you can choose either to serve the Lord or an idea or something else or somebody else, but you can't serve both. It'll never work. You know, Jesus said the same thing. You can't serve two people. You're either going to love one and hate the other, or you're going to hate one and love the other. You can't do both. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot out of the world. You can't follow your own desires and passions and own way of thinking and say, yes, Lord, I, I want to follow you. It, it, they, they don't work, Joshua saying. You can't do that. And the people said, no, we're going to make that commitment. We're going to serve the Lord. That's what they say in verse 21. And we're going to obey his voice. And then let's skip down to verse 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. And he took a large stone and set it there up, set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord which he has spoke out spoke to us. It shall be therefore a, a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So let's memorialize the commitment you've made. Let's just set something up to remember the commitment you made. Always a good thing. I, I like that idea. Because he says, we made that commitment, you made the right commitment. Let's remember that. Let's memorialize that in some way. And then the final words are the final closing of the chapter or the book. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance in the Timbreth Sarah, which is in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. Uh, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried in, in Shechem. And the plot of ground which Jacob had brought from his sons of, the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and which had become the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him in a hill belonging to Phinehas, his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. And so the final notes are we see the bones of Joseph were placed in the land, which is recorded, by the way, of a great act of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And we close the book with the death of Joshua, the high priest, and uh, again, who served the Lord also. And, you know, well, let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you for these things that we covered tonight, Lord. And we ask that you would move these things into remembrance in our own hearts and lives, Lord. You love us. And you want the response to be the same, to be a passion that comes from the inside, to be a love, Lord, and a desire to hear from you and be with you and learn of you. All those things, Father. And we know that always translates out into a, well, wonderfully changed life. And that's why we know Lord, that you explained to Nicodemus that night that a person must be born again. And then there was confusion by him. Wait, wait, how can I come out again? 
Father, we know that Jesus explained to him that there's a spiritual, there's a natural birth, which we're all born, and there's a spiritual birth. And Lord, that's a decision we make. It's not something that a parent can do or a grandparent or any of those things. It's a decision we make. Much like the challenge to, from Joshua to the people. Who, who are you going to serve? What's important? And Lord, we know that's a decision you want, and well, and everybody gets to make. I pray tonight, Lord, if anybody has never received that wonderful gift of salvation, Jesus came to pay for their sins, that they might be in right relationship with you, to open the door, made that way. They might do that tonight, Lord. It's as simple as asking, because you know the heart. For the rest of us, Lord, may we be encouraged with your love and your plan and all that you've done, Lord. May we not be tolerant of sin and the influences of this world in our lives, Lord, so that it will go well with us. You don't do that to punish us because you love us and we want things to go well. Help us to take heed to that as well, Father. Bless these things to our hearts, Father. Continue to move by your Spirit in our lives. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.